You see, people long desire attitude over aptitude, character over caricature. They don't care that you act a certain way. They want to know what is the character of your heart? What is the attitude that makes up your life and your being? Ladies and gentlemen, God's brushstroke is portraiting your life in glory. Let's not stop it by saying, God, I can't. When God will just say, you can do all things through my son who will give you strength. I will give you the ability. I will lift you up. I will help you. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. AZ.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. I've got a video as people are getting to their chairs that really ties in very well with this message. So I, I want everybody to kind of get situated and, and settled. And we're going to put this video on first thing this morning. And I want you to listen to it. If you look at your notes, this is the last part of our series on leaving a legacy. And I'm going to talk to you about the the autograph that you are painting in this life. And I want you to look at me just before we start this video. I want you to look at me with, with purposeful eyes, please. A lot of us sit back and we allow the enemy to make us believe that we're not making a difference. Look at me, please. We allow the enemy to make us believe that we're not making a difference. If you're alive in this room, if you're alive in this world, and you are a child of God, you have the possibility and the potential of making more difference than the greatest president that ever lived. Because you have the ability to make an eternal difference. When we look at the autograph of our life, I I share, and I'll share in this message, everything you do is a portrait of you. Everything. It doesn't matter if it's your job. If it's your job, you should be the best employer that job ever had. You say, well, bless God, it's just minimum wage. It's just paycheck to paycheck. There's your problem. You forgot it's a God-given job. It doesn't matter. God can still make $7, $70. God can still make a dollar, a thousand. We sit back and we allow the job to make us instead of us make the job. And that's some of our problems, why we don't get promotions and increases of pay and different things like that. Frankly, because we're not worth it. 
Everything we do is an autograph of our life. And God is using the, 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 the brush strokes of heaven to paint the, paint the beauty around you. Are we allowing him? But pastor, you don't understand my life, my background. Can I tell you some of the worst people God uses the most? It's some of the best people that get so caught up in their bestness. It's not a good word. Sorry, you English teachers. But it makes sense. We get so caught up in that that we forget that God's still painting the masterpiece. And we're just getting by. Folks, I don't ever want to just be good enough. This story in this video is a true story of a person's life. But what I want to do is I want to turn it into your life and to mine. So make sure the volumes of Jeremy, go ahead, Amber, and just look at the portrait, the autograph of your life. a big 20-year class reunion. Do I look like I've been out of high school for 20 years? Okay, never mind. I answered my own question. If I'm not mistaken, this right here, this was Mrs. Tomlinson's geometry class, and now it's a science lab. But okay, this class, I was never very good in geometry and I'd always protest, why do I need geometry? I'll never use geometry in all my life. And she'd always smile at me and say, wait till you get older, you'll be glad you did this. And you know what? I still never use it. But the real reason why I came down this hallway was to find a locker. One, two, three. Okay, right here. This locker, this was Stacy Bell's locker. She was uh, my best friend in high school. She introduced herself to me when I was in seventh grade. She like picked me out of a crowd, it seemed like. But you know, we became friends. I mean, we shared everything together. We were supposed to bring pictures of high school memories and stuff like that. Okay, I brought a picture of uh, me and Stacy at our senior prom. Um, I know, I look like Harry Potter. But if there was one person that I could see at this 20 year reunion, it'd be her. She changed my life in some ways. I'll never forget her. I'll never forget that day. I was walking down this hallway and I dropped my books, right? I mean, they went everywhere. And everyone's just walking by and, and I'm trying to pick them up. And you can imagine me bending down to pick up books was a whole production. And this pretty blonde girl was standing. She was standing about right here in her locker. And all of a sudden she looks down at me trying to get the books. And, and she's like, let me help you with those. And I'm like, okay, you know. She picks up my books and looks at me and says, hi, my name is Stacy. And I'm like, hey, I'm Dennis. She's like, how about I carry these to your next class for you? And I'm like, how about you do that, you know? So Stacy carries my books to class. By the time we got there, I think that I know everything about her because she's just talking and talking. And then she sits my books on my desk and starts to walk out. And I'm thinking to myself, well, good for you. You did your good deed of the week, you know? And then she turns around. She goes, hey, Dennis, I've got a great idea. Some of my friends and I are going roller skating tomorrow night. How about you join us? And I'm like, yeah, uh, I don't do so well on wheels. She kind of laughed and she said, it's okay. I will help you. I said, okay. 
So that next night, I find myself at a roller skating rink with Stacy and her friends. I don't know who was more scared, me or the guy I handed my money to and said, size nine and a half, please. And I sat on the side while Stacy and her friends were roller skating for a while, but it felt good just to be part of a group. And then Stacy skates over out of nowhere and says, Dennis, come on out and skate. And I'm like, no, no, I'm cool, I'm cool. And she's like, no, come on. I'm like, serious, huh? She goes, come on, I will help you. I was like, okay. So Stacy helped me out on the roller skating rink. You should have seen everybody's eyes. I just looked at him and said, it's okay. I'm a professional skater. <laughs> but with Stacy's help, I made it all the way around the skating rink twice. It was so awesome. As Stacy was dropping me off at my house that night, she said, Dennis, I got another good idea. Tomorrow, my family is having a cookout and going swimming. Why don't you join us? And I was like, yeah, um, this body don't float, you know? She said, it's okay, I will help you. I said, okay. So there I was that next day, standing in the shallow end of Stacy's pool. <laughs> I was like, we, you know, Stacy started laughing. She goes, Dennis, the shallow end's no fun. Come on in the deep end with me. I was like, no, no, it's okay. She goes, no, come on. I was like, no, I'm cool. She goes, Dennis, come on. I will, and I stopped her. And I said, I know, you will help me. But she did. She held out her arms and helped me float in the water. It was so great. After we'd finished swimming, we were eating, and she was telling me her dreams. I tell you, I really believed that girl could change the world. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she turns the tables on me. She looks at me, and she says, Hey, Dennis, tell me about your dreams. And I'm like, well, I don't really have any dreams. She goes, come on, everybody's got dreams. And I was like, no, not me. And she just kept persisting, and I got so frustrated with her. And so finally, I looked at her, and I said, okay, you want to know my dream? I'll tell you my dream. In my dream, these old hands, they are no longer crippled. And I can pick up things and throw things, and, and it's no problem. And in my dream, my hip is right in place, and I can walk and run and jump just like everybody else. And I said, in my dream... I don't need these old glasses to see anymore. And in my dream, my mouth is normal, just like everybody else's. And I'm just like everybody else. But then I realize, it's only a dream. We sat there in silence for quite a while. And then Stacy looked at me, and I'll never forget what she said. She said, Dennis, that's the dumbest dream I've ever heard. And I was like, well, you sure know how to make a cripple guy feel good. She said, no, no, Dennis, you don't get it. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. And I looked at her, and I said, no, Stacy, you don't get it. I'm a joke. And she just shook her head at me. Dennis. God does not look as man looks. She said, sure, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart, Dennis. 
and you have a great heart. I like to think she was right. I hope I do have a good heart. I know she had a great heart. And that girl changed my life. You know how I said there was one person I want to see at this reunion? Stacy? She's not here. She's not coming. When I think about her, I think about Galatians 6.10. She epitomizes this. Therefore, as we have opportunities, let us do good for all people. She was just good. She found opportunities to love God and love others. I use her in the past tense because uh, Stacy, she died in a car wreck our freshman year in college. Jesus gave this visual in Matthew 10, 42, and he talks about kindness and compassion. It's almost as if you give a cup of cold water to somebody. That's what she did for me. She gave me a cup of cold water, and she pointed me toward God. She did it for me. She did it for a lot of people. She had a bumper sticker that said, My life is dedicated to saving your life. I'm part of her legacy. So much so, I'm still talking about it 20 years later. There's a paintbrush that God is using for your life and mine. And God is looking to autograph that life with his glory. Every single one of us are fearfully and wonderfully made. Every single one of us are his masterpiece. But he's asking us, what are we doing with the autograph of our life? Are we leaving a legacy? You see, Stacy, her whole life was dedicated to saving lives. Sadly, many of our lives are dedicated to making it through life. When God has called us to be everything we can be in life. And I know some of you are sitting back and you're very forlorn because you're looking now at the portrait of your life. But I pray over the next few minutes that you begin to understand there may be some bad strokes on that canvas. But just like a great artist, God is going to take the mess-ups and turn them into a message. And he's going to help you and I. You see, God made you an original. And we are called to God's glory. We are called to attain everything God has. Why do we spend so much time trying to conform to the world? Why do we try to dress like the world? Why do we try to act like the world? Why do we try to be like the world? When the world, can I tell you something? The world in the heart of their hearts, why? Because God wrote his word, his law on everyone's heart. You don't have to tell anybody anything. They already know. That's why when you share the gospel, it pricks them to the bone. And they got two options. They get mad or they get glad. They get mad because they don't like the life they're living, but they don't want you to preach down to them because that's the way they take it. Or they get glad. Why? Because that life that was spoken into their hearts has come alive. Just like little Stacy. Just like these two men. God has never been interested in good enough. 
He does not have good enough plan for your life. Why do you? You college kids. We started a college class. Have an incredible couple running it. Do you know why? Because good enough ain't good enough for you. And that's what the society, that's what the school wants to teach. That good enough's good enough for you. It's not, is it, Jacob? It's not, is it, Sandy? Sarah? It's not, is it? Good enough isn't good enough, Jeremy, is it? God said it's not. See, God, brushstroke glory in your life. Another translation for that word glory is God's excellence, God's majesty. The world is full of followers. Why? Because very simply, it's easier for you to become like the world than to try to make the world become like you. It costs you less. If they're out partying and drinking, well, hey, I'll just go ahead and have a drink. You know, I, I'm a believer. Must be God. I don't believe that a, that a drink's going to send you to hell, but I think hanging around a bar will very likely get you there. We've got a tremendous youth group here. And these little kids that Adam and Ari lead, they needed an example that's a stroke of the brush above. You know what they need? They need people around them that don't drink at all, that don't smoke at all. You know why? Because these, and I'll use a little Bethy here. I mean, she's not quite into high, you're just now in high school, right? She's got an entire world to follow. And if you and I, who are the examples for them to follow, if we're smoking and toking, well, I know marijuana is getting legal in all kinds of places. Does that make it legal in God's house? Well, I'm not going to smoke in God's house. I think the Bible says you are God's house. Did I say that? Where'd that come from, Jeremy? Why am I trying so stinking hard to be like the world? Because it's so hard to make the world like me. God says, come out from among them and be separate. God said, stand up. Ladies and gentlemen, you remember Stacy? Do you remember uh, uh, Dennis? What was the other boy's name? Stacy's other friend? I remember Dennis. He said, Dennis kept saying, you don't understand, you don't understand. And she said, no, you don't understand. You're already God's glory. Let it radiate. You are already. I called John. Grantham during the hotshot fire when all those boys got killed down there. He's in the fire, EMT stuff, right? I, I, I don't know all the names and stuff, but I called him just to pray with him because I knew he was down there. You know what he was doing? Well, he couldn't save those boys' lives, but he could be an example of God's life in the midst of that. You know what he was doing? He's allowing the brush stroke to make very broad stripes and colors to let them know there's hope in despair. There's promise in pain. There's purpose. Look at me, ladies and gentlemen. There's purpose in problems. 
Everything we do is a self-portrait of ourselves. God wants us to autograph our lives with his glory. In, number one in your notes quickly, and I'm, I'm not going to take you long. You are the artist of your life. And I've used a play on words, but I want to ask you, does the world see the master's piece in you? I mean, I could have actually used that word P-E-A-C-E. That peace and confidence and certainty and security that I have only found in Christ. Do they see the master's peace in the whole of your life and mine? We're called to produce God's glory. Look at Ephesians 2. It says, you're saved by grace when you believed. We were saved by the power of God going into operation in our life when we believed. We can't take credit for this. It's God's gift. Salvation is not a reward for good things we've done, so we can't boast about this. We are God's masterpiece. He created us in Christ Jesus to do good things. Is the brushstroke going? Is the artistry playing out? Look what it says in 2 Peter. As you know him better, as you grow in him, he will give you, listen, through his great power, everything you need to live a truly good life. Matter of fact, it goes on and says he even shares his own glory and his own goodness. That word glory and goodness is a phrase that's better translated that he will share his excellence, virtue, and courage that will enable you to go beyond anything you could think or ask. It tells us in Ephesians 3.20, exceeding abundantly above anything we can ask or think. He said we are able to do according to his power that works in us. That's not in your notes, so write it down, Ephesians 3.20. Why are we so content to settle? Why? As a child of God, you know, I talk about the worship often. I talk about the things of God often. People walk into our church and they say, man, this might be a school on the outside, but it's church on the inside. You look around and the place looks pretty nice, doesn't it? Why? Who are we representing? Now, I've had people tell me, well, bless God, you can, you can worship God out in the field. You can worship. And I've had pastors and I've had friends that have started churches under a tree. Yes, it's not. But when you're able, if we're representing the king, we should represent the king, don't you think? You do everything through stewardship. You do everything credibly. But the reality is look at your life. I, I preach and have preached many, many times in Africa. And I tell you what, you haven't seen some of the squalor you see. Pastor Philemon Wachara is going to be with us again next month uh, from Kenya. And he's going to be here sharing the gospel. And you don't see the things. But you know what? When they come to God's house, Oh, they come dressed to the nines. They walk down dirt roads. They walk through mud puddles. They walk through piles of heap and rubbish and other stuff. 
But when they show up in God's house, now, folks, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I dress in a suit and tie, and I've had people give me a hard time in our church. I've actually had people leave our church because I dressed too nice. I'm not saying if you don't dress nice that there's something wrong with you. But I'm saying if you're going to represent God, why am I trying to dress like the world? Well, they won't come in if you don't. Fine. I'm not trying to become like them. They're supposed to come like me. Are you okay? That doesn't mean they're going to dress in a suit and tie, are they, Kathy? I mean, it'd look pretty nice if they did, wouldn't you think? Maybe? Okay. I mean, I'm, I, I'm blessed. I'm blessed by Adam. I mean, look at this guy. Stand up, Adam. Turn around and look at these people. Stand up. I mean, this guy's looking. Come on, show him. This guy's looking pretty. Look at this. Look at, I mean, Jacob. Look at Andrew. I mean, this guy comes in a suit and tie once. I, I don't put that requirement, but... There's something about letting the artistry of God's glory be seen. And I don't do it for that reason. But I ask myself, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I dress to represent the king? Am I making any sense at all? Are you okay? Is anybody getting nervous? I I still have a hard time walking in and somebody's wearing short pants and flip-flops. At least I called him by the right name this time, Patrick. <laughs> That's another story. You have to ask Patrick. Patrick, wave back there. Wait, yeah, he'll tell you the story about the time he was up in front wearing those things. And I called him something different. Back when I was a kid, we called him different things. I felt so bad. I had just this flush of redness come all over me. It was, it was bad. And Patrick just shook his head said, yep, that's my pastor. <laughs> Didn't you? Yeah. Why are we content to settle? I said all that to say this, Exodus 35, when God was building the temple, he didn't say, I want just anybody. He said, I want skilled musicians. I want skilled artisans. I want those of a willing heart to give their all and their best. The best you have might be last month's slacks that you've been wearing for a month. Throw them in the scrub bucket, get them cleaned up, put them back on. Praise the Lord. But it's still a heart, isn't it? It's still a purpose. We are his workmanship, the scripture says. But most are content to just be efficient, just to get by. Why has the house of God become that? More important, ladies and gentlemen, why has the child of God become that? Why is it okay? Someplace in my Bible it says we're in this world, but we're not of this world. Someplace in my Bible it says come out and be separate. That word separate is the same word we get sanctified from. We get holy from. The word holy, you know, it's just a mystical word. All it simply means is set apart for God's glory. That's what sanctified means, set apart. It means I'm not going to become like them. God, through your grace and glory, they're going to become like me in Christ Jesus, my Lord. (laughs) 
Here's a simple test, and I've used this before in this church a couple years ago, two, three years ago, but I, I want to use it again. Here's a simple test to find out if you're reaching toward that mastery, that, 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 that paintbrush of God's life to autograph our life in the way for God's glory. Do you, number one, care enough more so than others think is wise? Do you? I mean, if there was a dentist came up to you, would you spend the time that Stacy spent with him? I've got people in this church who I've been over to their house. I've had the privilege of having coffee with them. They never invite me back, but I've been over there. Well, they actually do. I just get, I remember the first time I showed up at Rick and Pam's house. They said, Pastor, we've never had a pastor show up at our house. Now, most of the time I show up, I don't usually make appointments. I just show up. It was one of the most glorious days I've ever had. And I've been over there many times since. Well, I say many times, a few times since. Do we care enough to let those other people that people think don't have time or you don't have time, do we risk more than people think is safe? I remember when I was pastoring my first church in Tyler, Texas, I had this 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 big uh, uh African-American is the term we use. It's amazing. We're the only country in the world that has hyphenations. You'll never find an African-German. You'll never find an African-Englishman. You'll never find an African-Puerto Rican. You'll never find an... Oh, you'll find them. They're just not going to have that hyphen in there. Oh, I'll get nervous. You ain't politically correct, are you? Not a fiber in my bones. Sorry. And I went over there and, and doc... Now, Doc, you understand, he came out of the time when they still had illegal slavery and different things like that. And Doc was a big old, big old fellow. I mean, I could stand on this thing. He'd still be taller than me. I befriended Doc. I introduced Doc to my Savior. One day, Doc didn't show up in church. And so I showed up at Doc's house. Doc didn't live on the good side of town. Matter of fact, Doc lived in the side of town. The white folk better not show himself. I went over there. Doc was scared to death. He said, Pastor, Pastor, you, you don't, Pastor, you don't, yeah. I say, Doc, you're here, I'm here. And you know what? I was able to share the gospel with other people in that same home, that same area. We got to risk some things, ladies and gentlemen. Doc came to my house to eat. He said, I can't come through the front door, Pastor. I said, yes, you can, Doc. I made him walk through the front door of my house. I made him sit at my kitchen table. You say, well, that kind of stuff doesn't exist in America. Oh, bet me. Now, folks, it's not just one-sided either, so don't go off on that tangent. But you've got to be willing to take that risk to find the dentists, to find the docs. And then I love this one. You've got to dream. Folks, you want to get around a guy that dreams. I am a dreamer extraordinaire. I could blow your mind some of the dreams that I've had. The difference in my life and many others is most of my dreams have come true. One of them sitting in the front row of this church. But God, God has done extraordinary things because I just dreamed. I could step out in faith and watch God do 
amazing things. You know why? Because I started to expect that what God said in his word would happen. There's people say, well, you don't really expect God to do that. Sure I do. He said it in his word. I expect it. But I also understand that I got to work harder than others think is necessary. You see, our legacy must be designed by God's mastery, not man's futility. Matthew 5 says, let your light so shine before men that they may see the excellence of your life that is praiseworthy and noble and good deeds and recognize and honor and praise and glorify your Father who is in heaven. They need to see this. You see, people long desire attitude over aptitude. Character over caricature. They don't care that you act a certain way. They want to know what is the character of your heart. What is the attitude that makes up your life and your being? Ladies and gentlemen, God's brushstroke is portraiting your life in glory. Let's not stop it by saying, God, I can't. When God will just say, you can do all things through my son who will give you strength. I will give you the ability. I will lift you up. I will help you. We have to purpose to grow, to go that second mile, to do the things that don't always seem easy. It may look like a competition or a pressure is crowding around you or I, but I learned a long time ago, folks, there's no traffic jam on the second mile. There is no congestion at the top, and the top is where God called you to be. Am I making any sense this morning? The top is where the world's trying to get, but they don't have any clue. So they try to step on each other, one, one rung above the other. God said, no, the ladder in my success and my kingdom is one step below each other. The lower you will step, the higher you will lift. Can somebody say amen? When we purpose to do our best always, the whole world will take notice. You say, Pastor, I don't have much. It doesn't take much. There was a widow woman who had two mites. And Jesus says she gave more than anybody. There was another widow woman who had a little bit of oil in a bottle. And God took care of the whole countryside. Story after story after story. That says, what are you doing? Represent me with what you have. And I'll take care of what you don't have. I'm reminded of a story. Alexander the Great was leading some of his great commands, and one day he met a shoddily dressed soldier, very unimpressive to the military that he commanded. And the great soldier commander came to him and asked the soldier, Son, what is your name? The soldier responded, Alexander, sir. To that, Alexander the Great said, change your name or change your ways. Look at me, church. Christian is a great name. Are you living it? Change your name. What was the second part? We're representing the king. Folks, when we walk down the street, I'm not saying we walk down the street like... I don't have enough rhythm to do that. But, you know, I, I'm not saying we walk down the street like that. 
But when people take notice of you, how do they notice you? Do they notice us as somebody that they're, they're wanting to know more about? Why are so many churches and Christians trying to become more like the world around them? Why? I understand the theory, well, the Bible says become all things to all men. Read the context. You know what the world knows? Deep down in their heart, they know they need to change. But they feel little need to change because the church will just adapt to them. And all the time, the canvas of God's paintbrush is still stroking, just waiting to draw that mastery, that glory, that majesty. Let me begin to wrap this up this morning. I, I've got so many things that I, I'm just kind of going over, but read your notes, please. The last thing that I want to share, and we're going to share another real quick little video. Look at number three. You are an original. Your life has a purpose. Let that purpose become your legacy. Let that purpose transform lives. Let that purpose be the the, the, the resonating that people see. Words are really cheap. And the world knows if we're walking or talking. Can I tell you something? Look at me, please. They so badly want your walk and talk to be the same. They so desperately want. They look at a world that has nothing. There's no stability. There's no credibility. There's no integrity. They're so hoping that what we have is really real. Is it? Are we leaving that legacy? The purpose of our life. I can picture the Dennis's that I've dealt with over the years. And how grateful I've been for the Stacy's who have helped me over the years. If we ever desire more than we are now, then we have to purpose to be more than we are right now. We have to strive to be better. Pastor, how do you do that? He said, my grace and my glory is all you need. I will work it in your life. Okay, God, draw the picture of my life. Draw the paintbrush across the canvas of my life. I will follow the strokes. No, that's not what God says. 
He says the footsteps of a good man are ordered, but you and I have to walk. The brushstrokes will follow. Something I've learned is people will soon forget how fast you did a job, but they'll never forget how well you did the job. As a Christian, we have to always be improving. We have to always be stepping out and stepping in because we're stepping up. Self-improvement is the only way that happens. And I'm not talking about going to the self-help section. I'm talking about self-improvement by the word of God. My Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Does God have to make it any simpler? We're, we're not supposed to become like this world. We're not supposed to, folks, man, be not conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind to this. Well, you don't understand. No, you don't understand. It's his way or the highway. You see, the legacy of this life is what God has purposed for us. You are destined to win. You are destined to win. I mean, that's, that's, our, that's part of our logo. Is that why we're destined to win? No. It's part of our logo because we are destined to win. You know what happens when an archer misses a target? He doesn't go but blame the target. He looks at himself. I was talking to little John Jr. over here. He's an avid hunter. He doesn't go by John Jr., but that's what I call him because I got John Sr. and John Jr. So I could either call him John Sr., which makes him look really old, or I can call him John Jr. and make him look really young. I think Dad liked the junior part. And we were talking about he missed the pig. He just went right over his and you know what he started doing? He didn't start blaming the arrow. He started recalculating his mind the mistake he made. Not taking into consideration the angle. Not taking into consideration the gravity. Am I correct, John? You see, the reality, if you and I are children of God and we're not walking the walk we can't blame the word of God. We can't blame the pastor of God. We can't blame the church of God. We have to look in the mirror and say, God, let me reconsider this stuff. You see, the difference between ordinary and extraordinary is just a little extra. Did you realize that you can get a hot pot of water at 211 degrees? Well, when that water hits 212, it explodes. It becomes a powerhouse. Water has to hit 212 degrees for it'll power a locomotive. 211 degrees, it just be a nice hot bath. Really hot bath. But 212, it'll explode a place. 
And that's what God wants you and I to do. Commitment to God's glory is a commitment to his majesty, his mastery, his artistry. Proverbs 37 says, trust the Lord and do good. Then you will live in safety and prosper. Psalm 37, thank you. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the harsh desire. I close with some real simple questions. Do you want God to do what he wants to do in your life? Do you really want God to do? I ask you four questions. Number one, what do you really want? What do you really want in life? Are you really pursuing God? Are you? Is God really the mastery and the artist? Or are you and I controlling the paintbrush? We've got to make that decision very first and foremost. As a young person, as an old person, as anybody, if you're going to name the name Christian, God planned a legacy for you. But is that what you're looking for? The second question that you have to ask, what's it going to cost me to do this? Look at me, college friends. Look at me, youth. Look at me, older friends. It's going to cost you friends. Because everybody's not going to want to journey that road with you. When you start standing up and say, I can't do that anymore, they're going to start calling you everything but a good friend. When you start standing up and say, no, it's against my religion. No, it's not conducive to my relationship with Christ. See, against my religion is an excuse. Not conducive to the relationship I have in Christ is a commitment. What is it going to cost you to do that? God's rushing the paint strokes of the canvas. He's brushing the majesty and the glory. The next thing is are you willing to pay that price? Sadly, this is where most people quit because the price is too high. This church is pastored different than a lot of churches. We really want people to grow. You say, well, all churches want people to grow. Yeah, but this church won't compromise that if you won't grow, you ultimately will go. Because God's word is the same. Yesterday, today, you say, well, Pastor, that's, that's hard. Well, Jesus said, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Which would you prefer? The bottom line, am I willing to pay the price of what it means to be a Christian, to allow the artistry of God's glory to be painted on the, bre- on the canvas of your life? Are you willing to pay that price? How many are going to say yes? Not a trick question. How many say yes? Come on, lift your hand, church. The last question is very simple. If all this is happening, when are you going to start? You say, Pastor, I'm already doing it. Praise God. In the day and hour we live, 
when I start talking about the rapture, and I, I talk, folks, I talk about the eminence of the rapture. And folks, there, the reality, it could happen before this service ends. It could happen any moment. This is why this whole series on a legacy is so critical. Abraham Lincoln led basically the war of the states for the north. And the philosophy of his life, very simply, as a Christian man, said, I do the very best I know how, the very best I can, and I mean to keep doing it until the end. And if it brings me out all right, what is said about me won't matter to anything. But if it brings me out all wrong, ten angels swearing that I was right won't make a difference. We can justify, we can rationalize, we can qualify, but ultimately he died to make us right. More fail to fulfill their hearts when they're trying to fulfill their own glory. It's time to see things different. We need to take our heart back. We've given it to the world too many times. And it's time to stop trying to be like the world. It's time to leave a legacy. It's time to autograph our life with God's glory. How many are willing to start today? Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.